Yo, 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 back in the swing of things, episode two of the Drink Up podcast. Thank you guys for joining us once again. I'm Colby Marshall here with my man, Zach Lanning. Very excited to talk some MLR Combine. Uh, I know we teased a lot of it in the last episode, and I'm excited to say that we have on and will have on Chris Matina on this episode later on to talk a little bit about him spearheading the back session at the MLR Showcase and just about Rugby United New York and a whole bunch of other stuff. So excited to have Chris Matino on. And Zach, I mean, we're back at it. The we're drink back. up is on fire. I'm excited just to get through this episode. Colby. The, <laughs> the listeners can't see, but I have failed to hit the record button on several occasions today. It's a Friday. My, I'm on weekend mode here. Colby's ready to kill me, but we're getting it through this time. I swear I hit it and we're good to go. Uh, but no, you're right. I, I'm super pumped to uh, to to get to talk to Chris later on, to talk with you about last year's draft. Uh, before we get into that, just some news and notes from, you know, around the around rugby world. You know, it's a bit of a lull in the international play. MLR is done before the draft next week. Make sure you check out the National Club Sevens Championship in Washington this weekend. It's going to be streaming on the Rugby Network uh, Saturday and Sunday. There's three pitches, Colby, so there's games going on all the time. They're all going to be streamed. And, you know, to tie it into the college side of things, there are going to be a lot of college talent on those teams. You're getting a lot of players on the men's and women's side from, you know, the major schools like Life, Lindenwood, Penn State, uh, you know, St. Mary's, some of the Ivies. There are going to be a lot of college players who are helping some club teams uh, strive for, for the cup in that championship. Um, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of talent in the booth also. Our very own Matt McCarthy is going to be up there calling some games along with Abby Gostitis from the Women's Eagles Sevens team. Uh, and Alex Corbacero as well. So, you know, a lot of really solid talent on on the pitch and also in the booth. Yeah, the Rugby Network, I mean, it's been a platform that has gotten us through with the MLR season. Hopefully we can catch some more college action this fall on the Rugby Network. And who better to listen to, Zach, than Matt McCarthy? I mean, I can't think of anybody else. He's the, he's the voice of U.S. Rugby. Yeah, uh, yeah, U.S. national. I would say uh, number one for sure. I, I would, uh, I would back that up. I'm pumped to to hear what he's got to say when he's calling these games. And yeah, just the Rugby Network, Colby. It's been huge this year. I I remember those days of scrounging around on like to try and find Facebook lives of games and uh, just terrible quality streams of things. If we want to grow the game at all in this country, the, the quality of these broadcasts are going to be huge, and the accessibility. Uh, it's going to be huge for, for people to be able to just watch the game, which is such it sounds like such a simple concept. But to have somebody be able to watch a game for free and good quality, uh, that's huge. And if Matt could call every game, I, I would be even more into it, not just the Rugby United. But, uh, you know, he's only one man. So but yeah, Colby, some more news from around the, the MLR as well. They put out their season long awards this week. Couple surprises, couple straightforward things. You know, the number one to me, obviously, overall, Mikey Teo getting the player of the year, the fullback for the Utah Warriors, just had an insane season, uh, was so good on the pitch, just provided such a spark for that offense, and was just exciting all around to, to watch and see what he could do when he had ball in hand. Yeah, I think you used a good word. He was a spark. Uh, he was a force to be reckoned with for the Utah Warriors. And I think what played into him winning player of the year was the fact that Utah. They finished top four in the league and they played the LA Guiltinis in the semifinals in a game that could have been the championship, you know, um, just disregarding the conferences based on how good those two teams were. And so it was very well deserved for Mikey Tao to win this award. 
Uh, I'll never forget that play that they had when they went 100 meters, the Utah Warriors did, when it was Teow, Basca, and Cruze just destroying the opposition. I think it was Houston on the way to a try in that game. And so very well deserved for Mikey Teow. Yeah, that was so they were so fun to watch all year, those those three. Uh and kudos to their coach, Sean Pittman, who was named coach of the year. You know, they like you said, the, the Warriors had a lot of success this year. The knock on them in previous seasons is they couldn't get it done at the end. They couldn't win the big games when it mattered. And they did that this year uh, under Sean Pittman's leadership and with all the talent on the field. So kudos again to the Warriors. The surprise for me in this award grouping, Colby, was back of the year. You know, the Warriors ended up playing L.A. in the semifinal in the West, and they, they lost that game because of the talent on L.A.'s back line. And it was a back from the Giltinis that was named back of the year, but not the one you would probably think of when, when you think of that back line with Matt Gitto, Adam Ashley Cooper, D.H. Vandemerva. It was Bill Meeks who played inside center and, you know, scored a couple tries and was a part of some some really solid stuff, but didn't do as much flashy stuff or didn't get the kind of accolades during the season that all those other big names had. But he was out there, you know, when you watch those games, doing the dirty work and setting up his teammates and just using his his big body to, to break the game line and get them moving forward. Uh, so I think, you know, when it's all said and done, well-deserved for Bill Meeks, but kind of a surprise to me at least. Yeah, and like the Utah Warriors, the LA Giltinis were a force on attack as well. Completely dynamic uh, throughout the entire season. I think they averaged something crazy like 15, 50 points a game. And it wasn't a surprise that this award came out of their back line. But like you mentioned, it is a surprise that they were talking about this particular player, I believe. But at the same time, it's not a shocker that uh, we're talking about an LA Giltini. So, yeah, just the last couple here, Johan Momsen from Rugby ATL, named forward of the year. Uh, shout out to Brian Ray, who on an MLR show earlier in the season picked Johan Momsen as his forward from the Eastern Conference of the year. So, you know, he saw that the skill that, that he brought to the table and, and how much he meant to Rugby ATL as a part of that engine room in the scrum. And the last one here, Colby, I think it's going to help us transition pretty seamlessly into our talk about last year's draft. We're just going to pick a team that we think won the draft in 2020. And the rookie of the year was actually from the squad that you think won that draft. So let's, let's get right into it, Colby. Who did you pick and, and, and why? Yeah, Andrew Guerrero, who was selected 10th overall in the 2020 draft uh, by the NOLA Gold. I think he's a big reason why, in my opinion, NOLA won the draft. You know, he's not a big name, I don't think, yet in the MLR, but his numbers don't lie from his rookie season. He had 149 tackles. Five were dominant, and he showed a little bit of why he was such a good player in the sevens game in college, uh, tallying over 100 carries, four, 480 meters, and a try as well. So he, he was a flanker that did pretty much everything for the NOLA gold. But, you know, I think the fact that they weren't as good as some of the other teams, he is uh, kind of forgotten a little bit, but it was nice to see him win rookie of the year for the season. Dude, yeah, just watching some highlights of of Guerra, he's his motor is insane, dude. He just goes and goes, and he just runs with so much energy and and fury. It's incredible to watch, and you know, I think that's why uh, he was able to to accomplish what he did this year. He's just got such a, a you know insatiable drive to to get out there and play rugby, and and that's something you want as a flanker, especially. Um, but but good to see him succeed in the MLR. Yeah, and they also have another player that they got in a trade with the Giltinis, uh, Steve McLeish, um, who was selected 22nd overall by L.A. L.A. got a foreign slot player from NOLA. In return, NOLA got Steve McLeish, and he's one of the younger guys from that class. And I think that he's, along with 
uh, you know, Guerrera, they're going to be guys that are going to be a part of Nola Gold moving forward. Two really great pickups, in my opinion. I think they won the draft. Yeah, so for me, I think it was Austin who were the were the winners here. Um, and it's a little bit of, you know, a, an atypical draft for them. You, you would think that if they were to win the whole thing, they would nail their first round pick. But it definitely it didn't really work out for them. Luis Satama was their their uh, first overall pick in, the, in not in the draft itself, but in, in their draft. He played in one game for the Gilgronies and then went on to Rugby ATL in June. I don't think he saw the field for them at the end of this season. Um, so that one necessarily didn't work out great for for Austin, but it was their second round pick, Mason Cook, and then the two players they got after the draft, one, Connor Mooneyham in the dispersion draft, who was taken first overall by Dallas, and two, Cam Dodson, who wasn't drafted by any team in, in that first two rounds, uh, but who was expected before the draft to maybe even possibly go number one overall, um, just for there was some question about his eligibility at the time. But so Austin, you know, they get a really solid contributor in Cook in the second round at Hooker, who played 267 quality minutes for them, scored a couple tries. He was lethal in that mall off a line out near the goal line. Uh, he made 108 meters on the ground and he had 95 percent of his tackles made. So just a, a solid contributor there at the Hooker position. And then two possibly first overall talents they pick up after the original draft. Uh, you know, we all know what Connor Mooneyham did this year. Cam Dodson, 316 carry meters on his own, six dominant tackles in that second row, you know, in that engine room in the scrum. Just a really solid contributor for them. So they have a really good young core that they can hold together at some really key positions. And that I think is going to drive them forward. Um, and they, you know, that that's huge for, for a team to get three solid picks. And one only one of them came from the actual draft. So I think they won the draft, even if it wasn't necessarily with their actual picks. Yeah, I have to say, you know, I, I, I hope that we can transition a little bit into who I think surprised me the most from last yeah, year. I think it was Connor Mooneyham to be the number one overall pick and to, to do what he did right out the gate. You know, it was impressive. And it's something that shouldn't be taken lightly by... Uh, by people, in my opinion, I think that there's a lot of pressure that comes with not only being the number one pick, but the number one pick in the first ever draft in a league and to just not miss a really not miss a beat from what he did in college into the MLR was just insanely impressive. And I think, you know, going into the league, a lot of people were concerned about his weight. Um, they knew that he had to put a little bit more muscle on, but that didn't that didn't keep him from you know, having a great rookie season. And he played in 12 games. He kind of battled injuries throughout, but he still had a great year. So I think he surprised me more than anybody in, uh coming out of last year's draft. Yeah, I wish we could have seen him play for the Eagles. You know, he earned his spot on that roster. Unfortunately, the injury concerns towards the end of the season. But he was a really special talent. Um, and so you're, you're right. I, I think sometimes we take that for granted. Uh, for me, you know, we're talking about the first overall pick in that draft. The player that surprised me was actually the last pick in the draft in the second round, Cole Zarconi, who was picked by the San Diego Legion. He only started playing rugby in college. So he was a football player his whole life. Uh, he was a transitional kind of athlete. Uh, he played at Central Washington University. And so you, you'd think that he would come into the league and be somebody who needed some time to kind of develop his skill set because rugby – you know, you can be a good athlete, but there are a lot of nuances and a lot of like individual skills that you aren't intuitive to American athletes coming from football. The game is so different. But he, you know, because of some injuries on San Diego's side, some opportunities opened up for him and he just grabbed him immediately. You know, uh, coming into the draft, 
his coach, Todd Thornley, had said that he has that ability to beat defenders one-on-one on the outside. He has a little bit of that X factor, and that really showed when he got those chances with the Legion. He scored some really solid tries on the outside. He's a hell of a finisher. I'm sure he learned a thing or two under Cecil Africa and Ryan Mattias, who are some really, really solid talents out there as well. Um, but, you know, you did see some of the deficiencies pop up in his game as well, some things that he still needs to, to learn, uh, some skill sets he needs to gain outside of that expl- explosive finishing ability. He only made about 64% of his tackles on the wing. He conceded a few turnovers. But, you know, that just means I think he has room to grow. So I think he's going to end up being a, an exciting player, and that really – surprised me i was not expecting to see anything from him um in year one um but i feel like it's those guys that pick up the game late that end up being the best i don't (laughs) know i could be mistaken but that's how that's what it seems like no i think i mean if we have a model as a as a country about how we're going to get you know to be competitive on the international level we just got to take all these athletes that you know are are just so athletic and so good at, at other sports um, and just teach them the game, like crash course in the game. Because you're right, it, you know, you see that a lot with guys uh, who pick up the game late in life and 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 just kind of run with it. Uh, I mean, look at the men's Olympic seven side of things: Carlin Isles, Perry Baker. Like, you know, these guys were not uh, rugby players growing up, but they're just great athletes, and they take to the game really quickly. Um, you know, Danny in the Barrett, MLR. he picked up the game not until high school. Yeah. So, and at MLR, I'm trying to think, I don't, I think, um, you know, I don't think Mika Kruse was a, was a rugby guy his whole life. Um, I'm trying to think of some other examples there, but I think you're absolutely right on that, Colby. Connor Buckley, he, he was a football player before you played rugby. Uh, speaking of, you know, Connor Buckley and Iona guy, I think you uh, had a couple Iona guys that you think might possibly end up uh, being the best out of this class. It's hard for me not to back him, Zach. I'm not going to lie. Watson, Philicatonga, and John Powers, if we were talking about who's going to be the best player, um, when it's all said and done coming out of last year's draft, it's hard for me not to be biased. But Connor Mooneyham, for me, just has that mental it factor that I don't think too many other guys have. And it's just he's just, man, I I think he's going to have a great career, and I think that he will end up being the best player from this draft. But Watson, just to talk about Watson a little bit, he's a guy that he has all the physical tools to be uh, the best player in this draft. And he's surrounded by great talent on the LA Giltinis. So I think he has everything that he needs to do great things. And John Powers, I mean, they both come from great coaching at Iona under Bruce McLean, one of the top coaches in America. So there's no reason why my two guys aren't going to shine eventually. If only Utah would just roster John Powers. Sean Pittman. (laughs) <laughs> my only thing you deserve coach of the year but my only thing you didn't play john powers enough imagine imagine where they could have been right now if they had uh if they had just put him out there he would have been like this you would have been lifting the trophy <laughs> uh yeah so for me i think the the guy that is going to end up being the best and you know this we've had this conversation too beforehand it's tough to to judge these things it's so early on but the player that i think is going to end up just being the best all-around player out of the class is Justin Johnson, uh, who's playing for the New England Free Jacks. Coming out of Life University, you know, he's just a winner his whole career. He was a winner at Life, 2018 and 2019 collegiate national champions. Uh, he was a finalist in the national championship in the sevens, two-time USA collegiate All-American, freshman of the year. Just, you know, he, this guy is good at rugby. Uh, he's, he's a great athlete. And, you know, he picked in the first round, not in the, in the high end of the first round, 
and, but came in and earned a starting spot right away with with New England, who had a really solid back line, you know, with Vian Conradi at eight. Um, they, they had a lot of talent in that back row, uh, and he earned his spot out there on the field and did everything well. You know, he broke the game line on carries. He made a lot of meters, made a lot of tackles. And for a back row player, you wanted to see those dominant tackles he was making as well. Forced a few turnovers, which is what you want to see again. He committed nine penalties on the year, which is a little bit high. But to me, you know, that says he's working in and around the breakdown, which is where you want to see him kind of jackling for those those balls at the breakdown. Look at someone like Maro Itoje for England and in the Lions tour. You know, there are some games he's going to rack up the penalties, but that's just because he's in there. You know, he's got his nose over the ruck. He, he's being a nuisance to the other team. Uh, and so I think Justin Johnson did that this year. Just a great all-around player with some room to develop. You know, once he starts working on those nuances and the breakdown, you're going to see some of those turnovers turn, uh, some of those penalties, excuse me, turn into turnovers. Uh, and he's going to be a real, real great asset for, for the Free Jacks who are, are looking good going forward. Uh, they turned it on late this year. Uh, so I'm excited for what the future holds for them and, and Justin Johnson as well. Yeah, Justin Johnson, like you mentioned, right out the gate, he earned his spot. And along with Connor Mooneyham, both out of Life University, those two guys were among the top in minutes played in the league. So that's that's something to note. It's always a good bet for teams from the MLR to, to go somebody from Life or like one of those top universities like Lindenwood, Penn State, you know. Or Iona. Think, yeah, <laughs> or Iona. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely, you know, a lot of talent uh, coming out of those places. Yeah, so Chris, thank you for coming on uh, the second episode of the Drink Up podcast, this college rugby platform that Zach and I have spearheaded. Uh, Really excited to talk some MLR combine and draft stuff with you, things of that nature. And it is my understanding that you ran the back skills session at the MLR showcase last weekend. And I was just telling Zach the other day, like you're a guy who is known for being that back that does everything on the rugby field, uh, kicking, passing you know, adept at doing pretty much anything that the coach asks. So you're like the perfect guy to run something like this. And uh, the fact that you also work with college athletes through your Chris Matina Rugby Academy, as well as high school athletes and pro athletes as well within that academy. So, I mean, how did that opportunity come about, Chris? And, you know, how did it go? Yeah, so, um, you know, just just the, how it started was Mike Brown, the guy who uh, actually started the Rugby Showcase, uh, was a good friend of mine. I played with him with New York Athletic Club and Rugby United New York. And when I started CM Rugby Academy two years ago, he was actually living on the Upper East Side with me. And he, um, I asked him to come out and run some uh, forward sessions um, with the academy and with a couple of my players. And we, you know, instantly clicked um, as a coaching unit. Um, and I, you know, me and him started working together during that. And then, uh, during the MLR season, he ended up going down to Dallas, um, where they ended up not playing, but he ended up coaching at Dallas Jesuit, um, and kind of refining his skills a bit there. Um, and then halfway through the season, he signed with Houston and then began, you know, plotting and and starting his idea for the rugby showcase to give college athletes a, a platform and a place to show off their talents in front of um, MLR coaches in person, uh, not just through, you know, college film or, you know, some, some dodgy, uh, you know, highlight tape that they had made up, which, you know, is every college rugby player, uh, unless they play at probably a good school, which gets good film. 
Um, so he reached out to me and he asked if I wanted to run the skill session for the backs and what my ideas were for it. And yeah, it was just a, a great experience, I think. And I think the guys who went ended up getting a lot out of it and the MLR coaches, um, as well, being able to see these guys in person, um, see them test athletically, but also see them just play live rugby was an awesome experience and get to talk with them and interview them, um, all at the same time was just, uh, something that's different, but also much needed in uh, rugby in the United States. And Chris, this is uh, Zach. Thanks again for for coming on. Just uh, quickly, was the how was it structured? The showcase? Did you kind of model it after the NFL draft, the NFL Combine, uh, or you know what was unique about it uh, when it came to rugby? Yeah, so we kind of based it off that, um, especially for some production value because it's going to also be on the uh, rugby network. So you know we needed to make it. Um, enjoyable for viewers while also um, getting the most out of it for the players. So we did start with uh, testing, which we did a 40-meter dash, um, an L drill, a vertical jump test, um, and a bench press, actually, which was pretty fun um, just to see the guys. And we brought in an outside company to do all the testing, which was super professional um, and awesome. So I think that went really smooth. We did that for about two hours. And then we moved straight into skills where – with the backs I was working, you know, we did a 20-minute kicking session, which is box kicks, high ball catching, attacking kicks for the 10s and 12s, um, a lot of stuff that you'd find in the MLR and kind of testing their skills in that. And then we went into a lot of catch pass, um, you know, just seeing what, how they move the ball, how they pass on the run, um, the accuracy and, and whatnot. So that was awesome. And then Mike led the forward skills where we did live scrums, live lineouts, um, Hookers got to throw. They did one-on-one tackling. Um, you know, they went full noise for a bit, which was was really cool. And, you know, the coaches were stuck in. They were right there, um, especially, you know, the, the Gilgronies from Austin. They, the coaches were, you know, up in the drills watching these guys go, which was awesome to see. Um, and then at the end, we finished with 10-on-10 10 10 for about an hour and a half, and these guys just went you know, full noise, which is super cool to see. And, you know, especially with not playing a lot of rugby, these guys really got after it and showed the coaches uh, what they could do. And then after they, you know, they all chatted with coaches. I know a few guys now are um, meeting and going down to the perspe- uh, respective teams this week to do more interviews and more testing. So we're just really excited to see where these guys go in the draft and, and how it impacts their careers. Very exciting, very exciting times. And I know a lot of times with the NFL and the likes of the NBA combines, you have these previews and uh, scouting reports for the players heading into the combine. Um, Did you kind of know what to expect going in? Like, were there names that you kind of had circled on your sheets as to like, oh, like this guy is going to be coming through. I'm going to watch out for him. Uh, Like, were there any, are there anybody that, you know, stood out to you in terms of, uh, before the combine started going in? Yeah, for sure. We had a good idea, at least of like the top 10 to 15 guys. Um, and Mike had made sure that there were guys that had been on the radar um, in college rugby that attended the showcase, uh, especially guys from Lindenwood, Penn State, kind of the bigger name schools. But it was also about getting guys that you know had really no exposure, uh, maybe from smaller schools, D3 schools, where these guys really hadn't you know, they, they won't really get noticed. So kind of diamonds in the rough. Um, so I think Mike did an awesome job of finding these guys, um, and making sure that the top players wanted to come. Um, the top players came, got the most out of it to meet the coaches. And I thought he did a great job and that's just something we're going to improve on as we, 
as we go on and uh, expand the showcase for sure. Any huge takeaways from the combine? Any players that stood out to you personally? Um, I mean, there was a few. There was a few. Uh, a few of the Lindenwood boys were really awesome. Um, you could see that their catch pass uh, was just a different level. Um, and, you know, their their kicking ability as well. Um, a few of them didn't play in the live 10 on 10. But, you know, I think down the line they're going to be, you know, guys that forced to be reckoned with in the MLR. There was also um, – Alvarez from Penn State, I think he's a scrum half, fly half. He did really well in the um, 10 on 10 and in the skills portion, especially because I feel like he's kind of, he kind of plays like me. So I was like, all right, you know, I kind of, uh, I kind of got along with him. So that was really cool to see too. So, uh, but there were a few diamonds in the rough. You know, there's a guy from up in Saranac Lake, uh, Kevin Morgan, who I've played with. Um, and I think, you know, he played Nyack Sevens with us. He's a super explosive player, I thought. He might get a shot with Rooney. So I think he uh, raised a few eyebrows as well. What would something like this have meant to you like early on in your career to have like a skill showcase you could have gone to? I mean, is that something that you, know, you feel like you maybe missed it in, in early in your career? I mean, you've, you've been able to get into the MLR without it, but is it would have been cool to have? Yeah, I think 100%. I think uh, like it would have been an amazing experience to have and just to go out and play against a few guys like that would have been really cool and just talk to coaches it's like yeah like this just would never existed you know back when i was coming out of college five years ago so um i think the opportunity is there and i think the growth in this area of the game needs to improve and i think you know that's what we're trying to do um but yeah no it would have been an amazing experience uh, like i'm just lucky that i i get to play for new york athletic club and get exposure um on the national level but you realize that a lot of these guys don't don't get that opportunity so um you know i was lucky but a lot of these guys it's extremely difficult um so that's why we just you know creating this will we'll give them a bit more exposure um and, and yeah give them, that's all we want really is just give them film give them exposure let them meet the coaches let them get eyes on eyes on the players because that's all you really really all you need i think um like you mentioned there are a lot of diamonds in the rough that don't get noticed and that's why something like this is so important, man. It's it's just it's exciting to see and uh, tr to transition a little bit into the MLR. You know, I think the last time we talked, you were telling me that you wanted Rugby United in New York to get on the level of the likes of a San Diego and a Seattle in the league. Fast forward to now, it was Rugby United New York that were in the semifinals of the MLR, not San Diego and Seattle. It was Rugby United New York that were finished in the top four, you know, and not those guys. Right. So I guess, what do you think made the difference for you guys? I know the year didn't end the way that you wanted it to, but what made the difference um, in the success that you guys had this year? Uh, I think management and ownership really came in, did an awesome job. Um, they gave us a home in terms of training um, and gym, like everything was in the same place. We moved our schedule to – uh, like a normal pro schedule, which was morning trainings uh, done by like 2 to 3 p.m., which was awesome. Um, you know, just the group of guys they brought in too is, was awesome. The culture that they built with the guys like Andy Ellis um, and the New Zealand um, contingent that came in really, I think, improved how we were as a unit and as a group. And I think our culture improved, kind of gave us more of a basis of a culture to improve on. So I think um, – yeah, that was huge, and 
we had a lot of fun during the season. I think the guys really clicked, um, and they just made it a little bit more professional. But you know, I think as we go on, it'll just get better and better. And like, but now we have like a true base because we have a true home in terms of training facility. So uh, I think that really helped um, push us to the semis, and I think we'll get over that hump. Uh, you know, within the next few years, 100%. Um, but yeah, it was it was a bit of a disappointing end. But you know, I think. In terms of how we played and how we felt, we felt like we should have been there. But, um, you know, that's the game of rugby. Sometimes you come up short, uh, but you just learn from it. Right. And, you know, you guys had a couple of rookies and Connor Buckley and Connor McManus both played the same position. And I have to say, you know, from looking at how they performed, it seemed like they transitioned just very well into the league we saw a lot of uh, McManus not as much of Connor uh, not as much of Buckley I'm sorry but I, I feel like when Buckley got his opportunity he was sharp and McManus was pretty much the go-to guy after Andy Ellis a guy that you mentioned a little earlier mm. what kind of tangibles did those guys have throughout the year that allowed them to just be on top of their game that uh, the way that they were and uh, you know what, what, what did they show you um, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing was, you know, having a guy like Andy Ellis in the locker room, um, and just having him push them. Um, and like, those are two young guys and I think Andy's work ethic, they could, they could see how he moved, how he played, um, his just time on the ball. Um, and I think they did really well. And in training, they were super competitive. Um, and like that group itself was just led by him, but also just like the most competitive, uh, group, you know, I think in our team and. I do wish that Connor got like I think he he put himself in the position to get more time, but it was very, um, it was it was super competitive. It was super competitive, and like those guys are really just going at it every day, really. Um, and I think with time, like as he gets more and more experience, like he'll be you know one a starter and and really put um, his stamp on this team. And you know it was just awesome to to watch them. And I've seen Connor for a long time, and yeah, I think just his growth in terms of. Uh, this year is, is huge and he can bring that into men's rugby this fall and then into the season coming forward. It's tough when you're uh, sitting on a roster behind an all black legend, uh, yeah. I'm sure to get the playing time on the field, but uh, I was going to say, yeah. Are you, are you feeding any inside info to rugby United ahead of this draft from the showcase? You, you holding anything back from, uh, from anybody else? Yeah. I mean, well, they, they showed up, uh, they, they had a scout there. Luke Hume was there, which was awesome um, to see. And, and coach Marty Veal was there as well, which was awesome. Um, so they really got hands-on experience and they saw a lot of players, um, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, it's it's interesting. Like last year, Rooney traded away all their draft picks. I don't know if they changed the rules this year or whatnot, but um, you know, I think they know what they're looking for. And you know, they asked me after what I thought because I was also refing the ten on ten. Um, so they're asking what I thought from being in the middle of it. And you know, I think it's yeah. I think you know they're they're definitely going to take hopefully a few guys from the showcase, and like that's what we'd love to see. Um, but yeah, like, you know, we we're talking constantly and, um, I also chatted a little bit with, um, Mike Tolkien from PR sevens and gave him a list of guys that are, um, that were intriguing from the, the combine as well. So. I guess for some of the younger guys that might, might be listening to this, um, even some of the guys that might be, you know, uh, in the draft, um, entering into the MLR next year, uh, as a college athlete, what. 
I guess, would you tell your younger self um, as somebody that graduated from Delaware, getting ready to embark on their pro career? What's something that what sort of some advice that you would give to yourself uh, as you as you uh, to your younger self entering into the professional levels of rugby? Yeah, I think um, just like be a sponge. Um, Like that's kind of what I did. It's just like you can't like it's very different. Uh, the game itself is super different than college rugby. I think uh, college rugby is very – it can be very simple at times. You know, like everyone, the skill level might not be all the way there, close to the MR le- MLR level. Um, but, you know, just be a sponge. Like try and learn – try and put yourself ahead rather than just get complacent um, and think you're, you know, this stud in college rugby. Because if you come into the MLR with that mindset and you're not a sponge and, and can't uh, – know take in all this information because it's going to be very different uh you're not going to succeed so um yeah just really be a sponge don't be complacent um just keep working harder especially at the skills um you know the physicalities isn't a step up as well so i think improving those areas and just yeah just keep grinding um but in terms of that yeah just don't be complacent um just keep working in other words don't come take my spot yeah I mean, people are always coming to take your spot. There's always going to be a younger player that's coming up. You know, you you can't be complacent. So uh, you just got to keep working hard. Yeah. And Chris, I brought this up on our last uh, podcast with Colby. But uh, if you need somebody to come in like Rich Eisen style and wear a full suit and run the 40 at next year's combine, Colby and I both volunteer to do that, to like drum up some excitement. I I told told Ben Foden to do it because he was there. Announcing it, and I was like, "Run in your suit, like it'll be a great moment." And he that would be perfect. Was like it was really hot out. He was like, oh, "I don't know, I'll be sweaty." I was like, Dude, "This is your chance to go viral. Like, just run in the suit." He just did, and he uh, his pants. I think his pants were too tight, to be honest. But I was like, <laughs> "That's my problem all the time. I Europe, can't, you know, went European Shocker. style with tight. Couldn't run the Shocker." <laughs> That doesn't constrict the blood flow, like helps you, you know, go. Well, I don't I know. Like, I was like, keeps... those could honestly be like compression pants. Like you could, <laughs> like you, you might be okay. I, th- I think he wore those in training a couple of times. Yeah. When I was <laughs> practicing with you guys. <laughs> yeah. But um, is there anything else that you'd like to ask Chris Matina, Zach? I am all set. No, thanks, Chris. Yeah, yeah for, for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate what you guys are doing. I love the name. Uh, that's a great, it's a great name. Um, you know, and I appreciate what you guys are doing and bringing uh, light to the showcase and CM Rugby Academy and the MLR. So, um, yeah, just good luck, guys. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, we look forward to the growth of this podcast and we thank you for coming on and getting it started. Sweet. So yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, really enjoyed that convo with Chris Matina, Zach. Uh, thankful to have him on during this these exciting times uh, ahead of the MLR draft. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I was trying to pull a little intel, you know, a little uh, some nuggets out of, from the combine from Definitely. Matina. Definitely. But um, he gave us some good stuff, I think. So thankful to have him on. As always, you guys can subscribe to The Drink Up on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and find us on YouTube as well. And with that being said, we look forward to pushing out more content for The Drink Up and talking to you guys again soon. Peace out. Peace out.